as Les said, I'm reading from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 21 to 34. So it is on your sheet and it will be up here. So previous to this reading, Jesus told the story of the parable of the sower and then when his disciples and others were together, they then asked him about, you know, what's the story about these parables? So Jesus said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has worked. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Thanks, Ty. Um, Keep that in front of you and you'll notice there's a bit of an outline also in your... um, in your service sheet that went out there. Um, If you are a teenager, and there's a few teenagers or new to high school kids, um, there is a little activity kind of colouring in kind of sheet. If that's going to help you to pay attention, they're just outside near the canteen on that table there. There's some pens there. You don't have to do that, but if that's going to help you, then that's there for you. Who likes a good riddle? You know one of those kind of mind-bending, I can't work this out riddle? Uh, if you know these, don't be the guy that shouts it out and ruins it for everyone. Kind of let people stew in it for a minute or kind of point out how they think or can't work it out. Okay, so this is my first riddle. This is one that probably got me when I was a kid, but it's kind of silly when you think about it. A rooster flies and roosts on the apex of a roof of his chicken coop. One side of the roof faces to the east and the other to the west. When he lays an egg, which way is the egg going to roll? What's the answer to the riddle? Roosters, of course, don't lay eggs. Who took a moment to work that out? Eh, You don't want to own up to it. Fair enough. What about this one? A father and son were in a car accident. These are very well-known ones, by the way. Uh, The father didn't survive. He was killed in the accident. The ambulance brought the son to the hospital. He needed immediate surgery. In the operating room, a doctor came in and looked at the little boy and said, I can't operate it. He's my son. Who's the doctor? 
I'd shout it out if you know it. His mother. Ah, see, why, why do you assume that a doctor needs to be a man? What does that point about? This is the one that really got me going when I was a little kid. The last one I'm going to do with us today. A man runs away from home. He turns left when he gets to the first corner. He turns left again at the second corner and then he gets to a third corner again taking a left. Now, of course, he's running toward home. As he's running, there's these two men both wearing masks waiting at home for him. What's he doing? Brian, do you know it? What's he doing, Brian? He's playing baseball. Ah, there you go. Now, I don't know whether you like riddles, but today we're looking at a bunch of parables. And I want you to think, what is a parable? And we'll all have an idea of what a a parable is. And often the explanation of a parable that's been given is that it's some kind of earthly story with some kind of heavenly meaning. That definition, I actually think, and it's been pointed out to me, actually misses the point of what a parable is. In these four parables that Jesus has given today, they, they're not actually that straightforward. Sure, they do pick up on everyday kind of things. Sure, we know about seeds and coins and lamps, but they're not just metaphors. They're actually far more like riddles. See, what is a riddle? A riddle is something that pushes people and challenges them to think differently. Jesus, in telling these parables, is actually pushing those that he's speaking to to realise something different. Now, Ty's helpfully given us some context here, but I just want to remind us of where we've come from, where we're going, and where this fits, just to get our bearings. It would seem that at this point, Jesus has some explaining to do. Because there's all these crowds interested in him, but he's not bending to the will of the crowd. He doesn't seem to be making the most of the crowd. Jesus has also got some explaining to do because there's all the Jewish leaders taking an interest in him, but he's not meeting any of their expectations. And last week in chapter 3, we, we learned that he wasn't even keeping his own family happy. But at the end of all that, in chapter 3, verse 35, this is where we finished last week, Jesus left us with the words, Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister, and mother. Whoever is really following me, whoever is listening to me, whoever is taking up that call to follow me. Now, there is the parable of the sower there, and you might remember the first Sunday we had in July last year. That was the, that was the first uh, talk that I gave when we came back. Um, so that's probably the main reason why we've skipped over this, but it is really important to understanding these other, um, other parables that we're about to see today. And in that parable of the sower, and I hope you're familiar enough with it, it's a parable that's been directed to the crowds. It's something that is speaking about the crowds, the parable of the soils. And afterward, he says to the disciples, the, apart from the crowds, that there are lots of responses, but accepting Jesus on his terms is what's going to produce a crop, is what's going to produce fruit. It's him echoing 
chapter 3, verse 35, that whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So when we come to today with these, with these four parables, what we see is a continuation and really an explaining of two realities for people that will accept the call to follow Jesus. And that is how you handle the powerful message that he's sharing and how powerful the message really is. And this is where the parables are kind of like riddles because you'll notice there what he's, what he's using to explain this are things that actually look quite small and look quite insignificant. Now, just as an aside, I want to just let you in on how I understand Mark's aims in writing. We talked a little bit about this last week, but when Mark wrote his account of Jesus' life, yes, he wanted to be truthful, and it's an orderly account. It gives us details of things that actually happen. But there's a purpose to why he's writing. He wants us to realise some things. And a pastor from um, the UK, a quite a gifted evangelist, his name's Rico Tice, he's the guy behind the Christianity Explored courses. He said this about the book of Mark. You can go to any verse in the book of Mark and you'll land on one of three ideas that Mark's putting out there. The first being, it'll either be about the identity of Jesus, answering the question who he is. The second thing might be, it'll be talking about the mission of Jesus, what his purpose is, why he came. And the third thing is the call of Jesus, what it is to follow him. Now, our overall focus, the reason that we're in the book of Mark at this first term, this launch into the year, is because I want to encourage us, I want to be encouraged, I want us to hear more and more that, that third part, the call on our life to keep hearing to keep hearing the call to follow, to be encouraged in our following, to be lifted up in the call on our life. And so the verses, the passages that we're going through are ones that highlight that a little bit more. But of course, we don't want to pull them out of that bigger context. And actually, these parables are kind of helpful for that because I think they show all of those things together. Let me say them again. Who is Jesus? Why did he come? And what does it mean to follow him. They belong together. The call to follow Jesus is because of who Jesus is and because of why he came. So let's go to his first parable. Jesus' first parable here is all about lighting a lamp. Now picture it. A first century dark room in a dark house in the dark of a night. How luminous would one small little flickering flame be in that context. It'd be huge, wouldn't it? It'd radiate through the whole room, even such a small flame. But to light it and then to not let it shine, for it to be there but not allow it to illuminate the room because it's under a bed or a bowl, Jesus said, well, that doesn't make any sense, does it? That's why Jesus says, wouldn't you put it on a stand? And so at this point, we want to push our thinking. What is Jesus saying? Is Jesus telling them to conceal it or not? Look at verse four, verse, sorry, chapter 4, verse 22 with me. 4.22, what does Jesus say? 
But whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. Remember, remember that thing that Jesus had said, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Remember as Jesus told about these soils and the seed that went out to these crowds. Remember how how they were like the rocky or hard or thorny soil. Remember how the teachers of the law are rejecting Jesus. See, Jesus is trying to communicate something to those who will follow him. That is, to bring his good news out into the open is good news. Sorry, that is, to bring it out into the open is good news. Listen to verse four, chapter 4, verse 20. This is right at the end of the parable of the sower. Jesus says, Others, like seeds sown onto good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Being a good soil means producing a crop like shining light in this next parable that Jesus says. But because Jesus isn't meeting the expectations and not capitalising on the crowd so it would seem or or so the disciples might feel, well, they're going to be prone to thinking that he's just not quite getting it right. They would be saying things like, Jesus, buddy, we've just had a massive crowd and you've gone out with this confusing story about... Seeds and soils, what are you doing? But Jesus says, don't be put off by what's going on. That's the sentiment of what Jesus is saying here. If it's concealed now, it will be revealed. If it seems small and weak, don't underestimate its power. The point, I think, is not about the followers somehow being like that flickering little flame, shining light, let your light shine. Like there's verses in the Bible that say that, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. What he's saying is the call to repent and believe seems like a small message. That can just wash over us, can't it? Repent and believe, yep, that's what it's about. And that message is lost on crowds, lost on the crowds that Jesus is confronting, but it is revealed among those who will accept the call to follow. It's up on a stand in their lives. And that that leads to the next thing that Jesus says. This whole um, measure you use idea in, in the next couple of verses. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. So this measure you use idea is a picture of dishing out something like grain. In my world, it would be coffee beans. Dish me out some of those into a bag. I'll take them home, grind them up and brew away. Jesus is using that picture to, to again, with kind of a parable, it's a little bit like a riddle, to put a challenge out to his followers. How are you responding to the light? And really the question is, are you going to trust the message? Now, have you noticed this? It's, it's relatively self-evident. But in, in our world, people who are wealthy, people who are actually really rich, can take their money, invest it, and they get richer. It's true. Whereas people who are in poverty, often the opposite is true. They get caught in a cycle where because they don't have wealth, they 
They just become entrenched in that poverty and they often just get poorer. How's that Midnight Oil song? The rich get the richer, the poor get the picture. See the similarities to what Jesus is saying here with this measure business? Those who take a big measure of his message, give it a prominent place in their lives, will be transformed and grown by it. But those who are half-hearted about it or similar will, will end up without it. It's what we said in the first chapter when uh, Mark introduces the good news to us. Christianity is a complete call on all of our lives. It's not just another commitment. It's not just another engagement to make. Sure, we'll sign up for things today, but, but it's not just a, a commitment we're making. It, that's in response to the call that we know is on our lives when we've heard the gospel, when we've heard Jesus say, come and follow me. Now, since the advent of text messaging, that's a big thing in our society. Sure, that's like 30-year-old technology now, but whatever. Since the advent of text messages, people have become really quite slack in keeping commitments, haven't they? Because it's so easy to rip out your phone and say, oh, sorry, I can't make it, five minutes after you said you'd be there. It's like people wait for the last minute to see if they're going to get a better offer (laughs) for what they can do with their time. Now, that's only been multiplied by all the other things that try to grab our attention. The better offer can just be not even watching Netflix, but scrolling through to try to work out what we might lounge around and watch there. We've got to remember that Jesus isn't just another thing to have in our life. He can't be that. That's a small measure of him. That will lead us away from him. His call to repent means all of your life given to him, all of my life given over to him. Let the light of his word, his message, illuminate in your life. Take a big measure of his grace because it's transforming and holding back leads to fizzling out. And so we get to the second half of this. Jesus gets really clear in these next two parables. There's still some kind of riddle here, but it's not so much Jesus being clever. It's more that he's just observing these mysteries that are in these examples, these defying of logic, but his point is still clear. The first one is about this seed, this seed thrown by the farmer. And and he's pointing out that seed has its own power, that it grows on its own. See, Jesus gives us this illustration of the power of the message that he's proclaiming the call that he's putting on people to follow him. What he's trying to help us realise is that the message he's proclaiming has its own power. He makes the point that a farmer can tend to their seed and it'll grow. And then the farmer can go inside and sleep through the night and the seed is still going to grow. He can forget about it. He can abandon his field and there will still be seed in that field that will grow. You see it happen. But what the seed does ultimately is stored in the seed. That's Jesus' point. Now, I don't know what you're like with your plants, with your gardens. Have you ever met someone that talks to their plants? Have you ever met someone that 
puts on classical music to keep their plants happy. Normally it's the indoor plant kind of thing, isn't it? Actually, some people have houses so full of plants that you kind of can't see the furniture for all the growth over them. Kind of like a substitute family. Maybe they're allergic to cats and that's why they go for plants. Maybe that's you, so I'm not really having a dig. But the parable is not absolute, is it? What Jesus is saying is not absolute. We've just got to work out the idea. Of course, there are good and bad conditions. Okay, The cane growers here know all about that, when the crane is going to grow and when it's not. And there are things that the farmer can do to help his crop along. And in fact, the parable of the soils shows that Jesus understands that, sure. But this is pushing us to realise something else, that that seed looks so small. It's just a little old seed. And the message of the gospel sounds so simple. I'll come to God, I'll ask for his forgiveness, he forgives me, I'll go on. How simple can that sound? But what is packed in that is revolutionary. Truly, like, it's, it's revolutionary. It's radical. Just consider again, Jesus' call to come follow him, to repent and believe. Just realise what is packed in that statement that the kingdom of God is at hand. See, this is a message that says that God's own son has reached out in love, that we might come to be adopted and known by our heavenly father. That in this message is packed all that truth that God's own son comes in humility and lowers himself to the point where he will accept our sin as his own so that we might find his pardon when he goes to the cross with that. Packed into this message is God's own son is going to include and use us, sinful people, that other people might be reached. They might be fished for, like he said to those first fishermen disciples. The seed, the word, the call to come, follow, repent and believe Let that take root in a person's heart and it's going to grow. It unleashes the grace and mercy of God in a way that means total transformation. Amen? And Jesus cements it with this last parable, doesn't he? Now, actually, it's more like a simile than a parable for anyone that's an English teacher. But it's also a riddle, isn't it? This idea of a mustard seed. See, the seeds of a mustard tree are tiny. And yet, when they grow, they're whopping great big trees. So big that birds can turn it into their home, Jesus says. Just that phenomenon is the riddle, isn't it? How does something so small contain all the genetic information, the DNA, the yada yada, because I don't know what that stuff is, to do all of that. It's a mystery. Yet Jesus says that is what God's kingdom is like. That is what it is like. At the time Jesus is speaking to the disciples, there there are the crowds crowding. The rabbis rebutting. They must be thinking, who is this guy? He's taken us away out on a boat, crossed the river and told us about seeds. Like, is this guy worth following or is he a nut job? You can see their minds ticking. 
But Jesus' words are there to reassure that this message is powerful. This message is powerful. We will experience that. Even if it's just as simple as Sunday morning, do I bother to get out of bed because it's, you know, it's raining outside, I could just sleep in here. Or whether it's that opportunity that you have where it's obvious that the gospel could speak into this conversation, speak into this situation. Or where it's temptation in front of you. And you know that there's a path that honours God and a path that disobeys God. Time after time, we will be in situations where that message of the gospel can seem so small. But we've got to understand Jesus here. That that small kernel has enormous power to transform, to do good, to mould us, to shape us, to, to redeem us. This is the best place for us to start this year, isn't it? I've written here keen as mustard, but that's a bit silly. But really, hearing Jesus and and trusting that this is a powerful message of good news. This is grace, grace that brings dead people to life again, grace that turns lives around, grace that brings reconciliation and healingness to brokenness. It transforms people. Let's launch into 2021 together, rowing in the call that this message puts on my life and on your life, showing the the fruit of this message in our life and going into the community and lost world with this message that looks so unassuming but is revolutionary. Something to pray for? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, that in Jesus' words, Lord, there is that immense wisdom there to communicate these things, to to subvert our way of thinking. And Lord, even as we gather today and we celebrate with joy and we're unified, Lord, we know that, that we go from here scattered among a world that is in rebellion to you and hostile to you, And Lord, it it becomes harder. But Lord, we pray that just as you challenge your disciples, that if they've got ears, that they would really hear this. Lord, we pray too that you might shape us, shape us as that call on our life is more deeply heard and responded to by each of us. Lord, thank you for the grace that we can receive that call. And Lord, we just ask that by your spirit, you would inspire us to take large measures of your grace. Lord, that the transformation might be ongoing, everlasting. And Lord, taking us into the eternity that we know that you've promised for us. Lord, we pray this boldly in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.